Hi, this is Eric Scheffler, the Sheriff of Atlanta County. Each month on the Hope Exists podcast, I will discuss how we can create a healthier and safer community right here from the Boys and Girls Club of Atlantic City. Through my conversations with local and national experts, I believe we can all come away with a renewed sense of hope and actionable solutions to move us forward as a community. Please like, subscribe, and share. This episode of Hope Exists Podcast is sponsored by Legacy Treatment Services. They are a great partner with my Hope One Mobile Outreach Unit, helping bring resources to the community and erasing the stigma of mental health illness and addiction for those seeking assistance. Anyone seeking help can contact Legacy at 800-433-7365 or visit their website at www.legacytreatment.org. On today's episode of the Hope Exists podcast, I will be speaking with special guest Jackie Grace, Senior Vice President and General Manager of the Tropicana Atlantic City. We will be discussing what resiliency has looked like during a global pandemic in Atlantic City. Jackie Grace is a highly experienced operations and HR executive with more than 20 years of successful leading people and operations across the financial services and hospitality industries. Viewed as a change agent with the ability to lead organizations through a process and operational transformation. Jackie is a strong people leader with a focus on mentoring, coaching, and developing. Currently, Senior Vice President and General Manager at Tropicana Atlantic City, Jackie is responsible for day-to-day property operations and provides strategic directions on all things from capital planning to employee engagement. In addition to property operation, Jackie has held previous roles in both marketing and HR leadership throughout her gaming career. Prior to joining the gaming industry, Jackie spent nine years on Wall Street and held management roles in both technology and diversity and inclusion. In her role, Jackie partners with property leaders to ensure guests enjoy a unsurpassed visit and team members to enjoy a work culture that reflects the company's mission, vision, and values. So welcome everyone to the Hope Exists podcast. We're gonna have a great show today and we have Stephanie Cook, the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club here in Atlantic City. We also have the uh, currently the senior vice president and general manager of Tropicana Atlantic City, Jackie Grace. And we have Tiffany, one of our Boys and Girls representative and our co-host of today's show. We're gonna be speaking about resiliency today and we're gonna be talking to each guest and and I'll put it in my own two cents, which I usually always do, uh, about resiliency, not only personal resiliency, but resiliency during COVID. And as we know, uh, the variant is here and COVID has not gone away. And I think resiliency is in some ways uh, an overused term. And we hear it a lot today. But we'll see with our guests, each and each one, and we'll talk about what resiliency means to them and, and how they've been able to create resiliency in their lives, maybe been able to spread it to their families and also their communities. So, uh, you know, welcome everyone. And let's start with Stephanie. How are you today? Excellent. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Can you uh, give us a little bit about some resiliency that uh, you're working on in your life? 
Well, the club has not gone dormant since COVID emerged. Uh, So we were shut down, uh, I think it was about March 17th, for, what do you think, Tiffany, like four to six weeks uh, due to Governor Murphy's executive order related to child care centers. But our staff pushed forward. And we knew that as the beacon of light in Atlantic City, we had to stay open in some way, shape, or form. So we quickly pivoted to virtual learning. And then we gratefully reopened for summer camp in July. What's most important about that is how resilient our staff was and is. I don't see resiliency as something that you have to achieve or you have to grow to have. I think everyone is resilient. And most importantly, our youth are resilient. It's about recognizing how to shine a light on that resilience. And our staff at the club are truly professional role models. And I think that they quickly stood tall and said, we're going to continue. We're not going to shudder. We're going to reach our families, whether it was a food distribution or dropping off academic enrichment packets or steam kits or hosting virtual art classes and culinary classes and pizza boxes. I mean, whatever we could think of, we did to continue that contact. And then we reopened. And, you know, I noticed maybe a couple months ago when we reopened this summer for summer camp, this sense of not exhaustion with the staff, but wow, what did we just do? We climbed this giant mountain and now we're still going. And I think that they all recognized how resilient they were. And without that drive, you know, we wouldn't have continued forward. I mean, think of this podcast itself, right? We, we dreamt it up during the pandemic. We, we brought it together and it's still going. And I think that we always look at our, our young people here at the club or otherwise as being so resilient and, and easily adaptable to change because they're young. But the pandemic has been something that's so extreme and extraordinary. Um, there's trauma associated with it. It's, there's confusion and question. And to be resilient, to get past it, to drive forward is something that, you know, our club family really did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing. And you can think of so many pillars of resiliency when we, when you're listening to your story and, and describing not only your staff, but the, the kids that participated in, you know, keeping the building open, keeping the programs going. I mean, there's so many different ideas of resiliency in there, right? When we, I mean, one that really jumps at me, honestly, is just gratitude, right? Gratitude for not only the, the staff, but gratitude for the, the kids that participated in the programs we're all feeding off each other uh, for that gratitude. And, and one of the things about resiliency is if you can see gratitude and you can feel it, it definitely strengthens us as human beings. Jackie, how about you? So I think resiliency is such a great word to describe um, you know, what everyone had to go through, um, but specifically you know, with respect to the, to the property and to the casino industry at large. So kind of similar to Stephanie's stories, you know, the casinos were forced to close last year in March and around July, they were given the green light to reopen. Well, immediately, as soon as the casinos were closing, we were all working on the plans to reopen them because we knew we would have to reopen in this new world. And so thinking about what our health and safety protocols were going to be and how do we ensure that our team members as well as our guests, you know, felt that they saw that. And so that's what we did, went right to work doing that. And once we reopened the properties in July, 
you know, again, talk about resiliency. If you recall back then, the properties here in Atlantic City were, you know, set to open with food and beverage. And then like, right at the last minute, plans were changed, let me say it that way, and they could no longer do indoor dining. And so the team needed to quickly pivot and figure out how do we provide, you know, food to our guests who were coming, um, but do it in such a way where we stay in accordance with, you know, the executive order at the time. That's just one example of resiliency. There are so many that, you know, we can probably go through. You think about as 2020 progressed, as the summer, you know, went along and, you know, customers were returning, I think people were starting to feel what was normal and however you describe normal, but they started to feel a sense of normalcy in the new world. Uh, and then fast forward to the fall when, you know, cases started to surge again and then new restrictions were put on everyone that changed the business. It changed how we had to operate. It changed what our team members were experiencing. And so just similar to you, we were climbing up a hill. Uh, we thought we had gotten through it. And then, you know, we, we had to make some changes. Come out on the other side of that, fast forward to April, we started to see a comeback. Customers were starting to feel more comfortable coming back. And I think everybody was excited. But in light of the current public health situation and the variant, as you talked about, we're all kind of feeling the same thing, which is like we, we thought we were on the other side of it. And now we're all kind of waiting and seeing. And so I think getting through that entire timeline that I just talked about took absolute resiliency from the team. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And one of the words that come to mind when I'm listening to you is innovation, right? And leadership. Absolutely. I mean, it's amazing how many different things have kind of grown over the last year and that we've kind of learned about more. We've actually learned a, a little bit more about ourselves, right? And even populations that we interact with on a daily basis. And one of the things that I remember talking to my wife about, who's a retired uh, school teacher just this year, uh, third grade, she said that it, it was really surprising that how some kids actually excelled at the distant learning through, you know, the on, online that didn't excel in the classroom. And some, you know, so they actually realize that there's a population of people, population of children that actually do better at different types of learning processes, right? I mean, we know that. We know people learn at different rates and different ways, but it's interesting that we realize that that really, you know, is something part of it. Another thing when I think about innovation is we do so much stuff online now and we have our meetings, our phone conversations. I mean, it was almost like bad etiquette before to have like a phone meeting with another person or a group of people. But now it's such a norm. In some ways, and I know that both of you lead some incredible, powerful businesses and associations and, and you have many different roles in our community, but I, it's gotten me a little bit more busy, right? So, cause now people know they can touch me almost at any time. Before I'd have to schedule you or be somewhere. Uh, but it's also, I think, powerful that you're able to touch each other on that level. So that's that's something really powerful. Uh, of course, the other side of the coin is trauma. Uh, I'd love to get into that a little bit more as we go forward. But Tiffany, how about you? Do you have any resiliency story over the last year, things that have helped you make you grow and see a little different? Or Yes, because throughout maybe the last school year that we were open, there were a lot of cases where we had to stay home, like certain kids had to stay home because people caught COVID. I remember I had to stay home for two weeks so many times because getting exposed to it, even though I never caught COVID, it still scared me because I live with my grandmother and I do not want her to get sick. 
even though I still had to stay home, I tried to stay away from my grandmother because even, even though I might not have it, she could still get it. And that would totally break me, losing my grandmother, especially to this COVID stuff. And you were talking about like the school year and stuff like that and how some kids actually excelled during the school year. It wasn't like that for me. (laughs) I feel like for me, it's much better to go into school, even though throughout the school year, I stayed home the whole time because I didn't want to get my grandmother sick. It was a lot. It was like different. I'm not used to change. I'm used to doing basically the same thing every day, same time. So it was really different for me. And I still bounce back from it, and that's why like, I'm proud of myself for being able to overcome all of that stuff because it's like if I look back and think before COVID happened, I probably would have been like, no, I'm not going to be able to do all this stuff and be able to get used to this change. But now I'm proud of myself for doing yeah, all of that. Yeah, uh, we're proud of you as well. I mean, it, it really is an amazing thing. And Tiffany made a lot of really interesting points. And one of the things maybe we could talk about this as well is a thing that they talk about during COVID, during high-stress situations called operational stress. And what operational stress basically is, is long-term unknowing of the future, right? We still have to go along and do what we're supposed to do, but we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And when, when you were talking about bringing the the virus home to your your grandmother that's an unknown right that can put a lot of stress on us um you know we have to go move forward we don't know when this is going to be over right we don't know how it's going to end how it's going to change and actually i've heard specialists and people that teach operational stress basically connect this to a same kind of feeling as people that are suffering from cancer because although you're fighting a fight you're not really sure how that fight's going to end, right? You don't really know if, you know, your cancer is going to go in remission or it's going to continue to go in. And that same similar stress is an operational stress. And the interesting thing, of course, is the whole world was affected by COVID. So the whole world uh, is is dealing with operational stress. You know, they've talked about this and you hear a lot about it today is that, you know, we're going to be feeling the effects socially and emotionally from COVID for 10 and 20 years out. I mean, because, you know, people like Tiffany are going to be here a a long time. So it's, you know, what what are your ideas? You know, I would love to get your take on the operational stress concept. Also, maybe your ideas about pulling us out of it and how we get healthier. How do we get stronger, you know, from from stress? Because we can do that. We can ride that bell, right, that stress bell. And if we can, you know, even at the top, we can figure out a way to build and learn from this and actually make it a positive. You know, my father uh, used to say to me and my brothers is that, you know, life is uh, 10% of what happens to you and 90% on how you react to it. And I think in a lot of ways that really kind of puts a line in the sand for us and and how are we going to deal with this moving forward? The truth is we're still in it right? So we rode a certain bell, you know, we're getting a little bit stronger, we're feeling, we feel good at that, we've made it through it, we're being hit again. That's even harder operational stress. Not to put a dark cloud on this, but we've had the highest rates of suicide in our country in the past 20 years over the last year. It has a lot to do with the operational stress. One of the highest rates of overdoses and addiction 
uh, mental health issues in the past 20 years. Maybe because our population is getting bigger, maybe it's becoming more of a norm to come forward and get help. That could be some of the factors, but I believe, you know, of course, it's COVID. It's the isolation. It's the stress of the isolation. It's the stress of the unknown. And we need to figure out ways to self-care and and create healthier environments. The Boys and Girls Clubs is absolutely an incredible oasis, not only for Atlantic City, for the entire region, to give people a place to go, right? Do you agree with me, Tiffany? To socially and emotionally grow continuously, to interact with people. That really does change how we feel, right? What do you think of that? Yeah, I was really glad when the Boys and Girls Club opened that first summer camp because it gave me a chance to come out of the house. Because of COVID, you had to stay in the house all day. It really took a toll on me. So that's why I was glad that the Boys and Girls Club opened so I can be able to socially interact and just not sit in the house all day. I remember someone saying to me, and I don't remember what the conversation specifically was, but I think someone will remember this, that she was sitting at her desk doing a Zoom meeting, and she heard the laughter of children, and it just changed her entire mood. Do you remember that, Stephanie? That was my story. Yeah, it is your story. Yes. So one of my first Zoom calls during the pandemic, because we were open, and we had to have window. we still have windows open all the time for circulation, and I was on a Zoom call. And I was not muted, and I was at the Chelsea Club, and the kids were playing in the parking lot, and someone on the Zoom call said, Stephanie, you need to be muted. And then someone else quickly said, it was like watching the Brady Bunch for the first time, someone else quickly said, please don't mute. You know, hearing the kids play, hearing their excitement, hearing their joy is so necessary right now. And, you know, in many ways, Tiffany, it reminds me, you always pop into my mind, Tiffany is a stellar club kid on every level. And I know she gets embarrassed a little bit when we chant about her accomplishments, but it's so deserving. She not only got a Serve Safe Food Handler certification, but she also passed her Serve Safe Manager certification, which many adults don't pass on her first try. She's an exceptional chef. She's a member of our culinary program. She competed for Youth of the Year. She has no problem sharing her story. And I think if you reflect on what she just spoke a few minutes ago, I don't know what you heard, but I heard, listen to how wise this this young person is beyond her years. And I think that what the club provides is, just like Reed's provides, Reed's Farm, as we were just speaking about, Sheriff, about an oasis for people of all abilities, the club provides a safe haven for anyone to come to and find their path. Because the path exists. They just need the tools to be on their way. So she's exemplary of of what the club is and what it can offer people. And I think the resilience that the club has as an organization shines through the resilience that our youth expose to the community. I think that has a lot to do with its leadership. It's definitely a team effort for sure. But I also think it's reflective of Atlantic City as a community. I think there's so much opportunity and power in this city. And to understand that we are still pushing forward through the pandemic, through the gaming industry, through the casinos, through our local economy that has put our club parents back to work. And I think we have to look at those partnerships and really recognize the resilience that the community has to rise above. We were revitalizing ourselves before the pandemic. And this has certainly caused a bit of a barrier in that climbing up the mountain. But I think that the future is still bright. And I think that through partners like Caesars and Tropicana and everything that Jackie brings to our club as a mentor also for our young people, it's really, we're turning the curve of change together. 
it's not something you can do alone. And I think resilience is really the ability to stretch and be tough. And that's something that Atlantic City has always really been known for. Yeah, you yeah, know, it has survived through many different uh, things. And the pandemic's not going to stop this this city in any way. But there's some lessons to be learned here, and we can actually share with some of our listeners. And what do you think, uh, Jackie, about as we move forward, you know, through resiliency? And we know that the people that we work with, the people that we live with, are the people that are customers. They're going to be suffering, right? They're going to be trying to figure out themselves, right? The unknown. Should I come forward? Should I go to work? Should I go to a show? Should I stay home? The stress of all these different things in their lives, it's a tough place to be. There's a lot of fear, of course. Very much like Tiffany, I have an older mother and someone that I see all the time. Every day I try to see her and and during the height of the pandemic, I'm still out working on the street. I, I didn't see her for three months. It really tore me up. You know, it was really difficult on me and it was it was probably harder on her. Because I think I'm her favorite child. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the interesting thing is it was really hard. And at, at one point, I, I literally stood at the curb of her house. I, I told her, and she w- wanted to run to me. I was like, you stay on the porch. Don't come off that porch. And we shouted back and forth to each other because I needed it. And she needed it as well. So what do you think? What, what can we do for these people that are working with us and for us and around us? First thing that comes to mind, especially when you're dealing with uncertainty and for this long of time, as you indicated, is control what you can control. Because it's so easy to like let our minds wander about all of these things that we have absolutely no control over. And I think that lends itself to the increased stress and anxiety right, and fears. Uh, and so while it sounds so basic and it sounds like easier said than done, I, I try to remind myself and would offer up to everyone to think about the things that are in your control on a daily basis. And in particularly, if you do start to get to a place where you know your anxiety is creeping up because of all of the uncertainty, it's basic things like, okay, today I can control, I don't know, what I eat, right? And I realize that's a privilege because that's not the case for everyone, right? Um, but I just use this example to say, think about the things that are in your immediate control for your everyday life. And then with respect to you know the pandemic, what are some of the things that you can control? You can control wearing a mask. You can control the decisions that you make in socially distancing. You can control whether you choose to get vaccinated, whether you encourage other people to get vaccinated. Understand that's a personal choice, obviously. Um, but again, these are the different levers that people can pull to put some semblance of control around the unknown in their lives. So I just really encourage people to think about that because I feel like if you go beyond that, and I'm talking speaking from personal experience, quite frankly, uh, and let my mind wander about all of the unknowns, like that's really when anxiety creeps up. Um, two, the other thing I would recommend, you know, for everyone is to follow the science, right? And you, you now again, that, that presumes that you believe in certain things, but like follow data and facts, et cetera, you know, versus kind of going down some of the rabbit holes that I think some of this stuff lends itself to. And so, you know, those two things together, like controlling the information that I take in. A little uh, social media block out every once in a while. Yes, that's exactly right, which I practice that um, Except for this times. podcast. <laughs> Um, And then the other thing that I have found helpful throughout this entire time, uh, and I would be less than honest if I didn't say I'm inconsistent with it, but that's the reason why I'm bringing it up because I noticed the difference, is some semblance of self-care. And again, while that can be or seem like a luxury for some people, uh, I think about very basic things like, you know what, take 10 minutes and just do some deep breathing, as an example. Take one minute. Right? Let's start with like one minute of like deep breathing, total silence, resting your mind, 
completing all, like stopping all the thoughts and just like deep breathing for 60 seconds. Breath work goes a long way with managing anxiety. And, you know, I encourage people to pursue that as some semblance of self-care. Again, some of the other things may seem like somewhat of a luxury, but just being able to stop and give yourself a moment to breathe, I think can go a long way with helping to manage a lot that's happening around us. Super powerful, awesome stuff. I mean, really incredible. I mean, if we work our way backward, breathing is one of the most essential things that we do, right? Without breathing, we have a lot of trouble. And even in, if you think about it, the Navy SEALs have breath work that they practice, right? The most sophisticated, you know, military group that we have. So, and there's a thing actually called box breathing. Yes. Yes. And, I do and that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so you can, and our listeners can look it up. You can Google it. There's a bunch of different versions of it, but it really is a powerful thing. Learning to breathe in a certain way. And not only are you becoming present, which is really important, but you're learning to oxygenate your own body, which you'd be shocked how much power that gives you and how it changes your mood and your feeling, right? Then the other thing you said, which I absolutely love, and I'm a believer as well, is, you know, sometimes social media can really drive us to the brink. Uh, there's a lot of opinions out there. There's a lot of experts out there. There's a lot of different sides. Sometimes we need to kind of cut back a little bit, right? And it's one of the things that I actually did during the pandemic. Um, I stopped really doing social media for myself. So I didn't have to be involved in this constant bombardment of fear, in a lot of ways, because a lot of these conversations really were based on fear. They sounded like angry conversations or they were against someone, but they, I think this anger really was based on fear. And it was something that was honestly building my anxiety. And so by withdrawing from that, it really helped me a lot. And the other thing you said, which is so powerful, so powerful, and you said it was so simple, but it, I think it's one of the most powerful things we can do for ourselves is to really control what we can control really concentrate on that. And that, I think, brings us back to a certain place when the anxiety is high, that we can actually, I can control this one little thing in my life. You know, I can control this moment. And it actually gets us to be present as well, right? A lot of us like to live in the past. Well, I really didn't, uh, I'm so sorry I said that, or that's gonna haunt me. You know what, that's behind you. Or what's gonna happen next? Someone's gonna do this or something's gonna happen. I can't control the future and I can't control the past, but I can control the moment. Become present, I think it also lowers our anxiety as well. What do you think, Tiffany, about some of those things that uh, Ms. Grace said? Some real powerful stuff, right? Yes. The box breathing, I want to learn how to do that because I don't take the time out of my day to really focus on myself since I'm helping taking care of a lot of people in my household. It's like I get so caught up taking care of other people that I don't focus on myself. So that box breathing method, I would definitely like to learn. We can talk about it in 30 seconds. <laughs> right. We're adding it to the list. Yes. <laughs> it's a really powerful tool. You can do it at any point in time. There are times, like, throughout my day, I'm just sitting in my office or on a Zoom call, one of many Zoom calls, or just kind of in my office and I need a moment. I'll literally take 30 seconds or 60 seconds and do it. And then it helps me kind of recenter, gives me the energy that I need to keep going. So I think it's a fantastic tool. You can do it anywhere. People don't even need to know that you're doing it. <laughs> That's how powerful it is and simple it is, uh, but really impactful.
So happy to share more with you on it. It's great stuff. There's all kinds of different breathing uh, techniques. You can do them while you're walking, and you can do them while you're sitting, and you can do them while we were talking here. So it really is some powerful stuff uh, that could be able to understand and control your breath. Stephanie, what do you have for us uh, on some of these powerful... uh... I'm a bit of a primitive person, and I started running many miles during the (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) As soon as the gym shut down, I I hit the street. So I'm told I need to do box breathing. And... I'm told I need to, similar to you, Jackie, you know, we have to find that time for self-care. But but truthfully, during the pandemic, I kind of threw myself into running, working, and I have two young daughters, and how do I somehow help them understand this? I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. And I think it's reflective to, you know, why I love working with the club. Because how in the world is this happening? How do we help not alter, but strengthen the perspective of what our kids are seeing? How are they addressing this? I think some of us are past the, I don't want my kids to wear masks in school. That's not even an option. I want them to be in school so they can continue learning. You know, I think from the club's perspective, we're recognizing that we have high schoolers who want to apply to college and they're, they're losing those experiences to help prepare them. So how can we backfill those at the club? Or we have young children who are now behind a year or two in reading, and how can we help combat that learning loss? You know, so I think it's about how do we be as innovative as possible to help with exploration for our club kids? How do we help create those experiences so time is not lost? We've talked about this before, and there's a bigger picture with the club as well, because you know that the health and welfare of your kids also depends on the health and welfare of their parents. We have to continue to connect them, and I know you do that, and I know that you know, there are some of the ideas as we move forward, and employment and things like that are important because they give you that base. They give you that foundational wellness. Employment, it's its an empowerment for people, right? It's a freedom for people. It, 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 there's a pride in employment that security that you have the ability to provide for your family. And I guess that could be a podcast in itself. And having a living wage, of course, is is probably more important. But the reality of that is is that it's a holistic approach to health as we move forward. The one thing that, you know, and it's a little bit of heavier part of resiliency and COVID and what's going on and, of course, the variant coming back. So we talked about some things to, to help us resilient and I thought you know there were some great ideas from all of the, our guests tonight but we're going to see people suffering we're going to definitely see people that are going to have some mental health issues and, and people are going to have them themselves and and maybe even some you know active addiction issues and, and and I think in some ways that you know a lot of people may think in their mind that they're weak or that they're not a whole person or that something's wrong with them because they're suffering or they're feeling these feelings. What can we say to our listeners that are going to be suffering that we know? And, and the truth of it is, and I'll be upfront. I mean, I suffered during COVID. If you weren't struggling at times during COVID, I don't think you're human. But I realized I was. And, and I went to some of the things that you said, Jackie, honestly, to control what I can. I gave myself some self-care. I made sure I had social interaction, even if it had to be on Zoom or some other way. I connected with the people I loved. You know, connection is really powerful for us. What can we say to those people out there that are suffering but are afraid to come forward because they see it as a weakness or they see it as as being an incomplete person? 
Jackie, what do you think? Sure. So I'm extremely passionate about this topic because I think the stigma around mental health is awful and it's long overdue that we need to just like break this stigma. So I can talk forever, but we don't have forever. To answer your question directly, I think the first thing that I would say is it is okay to not be okay. Right? It's become somewhat cliche. Everyone is saying that now, but I believe that. And I want other people to believe and truly understand that. And it is okay to raise your hand and say, I need help. Yeah. Again, you have to be willing to acknowledge that you're not okay and be willing to let someone else know that you're not okay. But once you do that, like help is out there. And that's one of the bravest things I think a human can actually do is reach and, and ask another human being for help. Absolutely. And, you know, you can do that informally. You can do it formally, right? If, you, if there is a hesitation to reach out to a professional, then maybe start with someone that you know, right? Someone in your family, someone that you trust with whom you feel like you can be vulnerable to say, hey, I'm feeling these things. This feels awkward to me. I can't explain it, but I know this doesn't feel normal. Can I talk to you about it? And I promise you, just sometimes the act of articulating what's in your head, getting it from here and out, uh, goes a long way. Just sharing and just sharing your experience, because I think what folks will find is that most times you are not alone in that experience. Absolutely. And now if you don't talk to someone, you won't know that. But the minute that you open up and share with someone else, that gives an opportunity for that person to also share or say, hey, I have someone else that you can talk to. And then again, sometimes that just, even that alone, knowing that you are not by yourself goes a long way. And the, one of the things about that is sometimes we share with someone that we love uh, and we care about, and we, but they don't have the answers. And sometimes the fear of hearing you suffering sometimes shuts them down. So you don't always get the response you want. However, there's nothing wrong to go find someone who's professional, right? Because the truth of the matter is most of us are not built yep. to counsel other human beings and least of, of them of the ones that we truly love that we're that close to however opening up to someone that you love and saying that you might have a you know issue or you're feeling certain feelings if that doesn't you know change that feeling then you know it's okay to go forward and to find a professional so i totally agree and you know it was kind of working my way there right to say like sometimes it's just start with someone start in an informal way if you don't have the courage enough to raise your hand to go to someone that you don't know which i think is very common particularly in the african-american community i'm going to speak to that because i that's what i can speak to seeing a mental health professional like again there's a big stigma around that and so sometimes just starting with someone you know might free you up to go off and then do that. I am a huge advocate, however, of getting professional help and seeking professional help. Um, and it can be for anything as small as, wow, like I'm having, my mind is racing and I don't know how to stop my mind from racing. Or it's, you know what, it's time to go to bed and I can't go to sleep because my mind is racing. Or you know what, I keep thinking about this thing and I keep worrying. How do I stop worrying? It can be anything from as simple, and I put air quotes around simple as that, you know, to more complex things. But... A professional, I agree with you, a professional is the best way to help you sort all of that. And I would absolutely recommend anyone listening, to, if, if they even think about it, to go off and seek professional help. Absolutely. I could see you chomping at the bit. What do you think, <laughs> Stephanie? I completely agree with everything that Jackie said. And, and he, you know, here at the club, and Tiffany knows this, we've been working to really dispel the myths about mental wellness, mental health, seeking professional help when needed. Um, and in fact, thanks to a recent grant award that we got from the CRDA a couple weeks ago, um, we're going to be having licensed clinical social workers here on site at the club. 
um, as well as access to healthcare, we're expanding Atlanticare's teen center model so that we will have physical healthcare access as well. Because how can we be more holistic with our care management? The other piece that we're building in is a really interesting trauma-informed care management tool um, that we're bringing in from Drexel University's School of Public Health, the Dornsife School. And it's a financial literacy curriculum that is matched with trauma-informed care. So as you build your assets in a savings account, how does that help you to address trauma that you've experienced over time? And it's a really interesting model. It's very innovative. We're actually going to be piloting it with our staff and then bringing it on to our teens the second half of the year. But it's just critical. I think mental, incredible. it's incredible. It's, it's really awesome. Um, but, you know, what's, what's important about mental wellness is, you know, A, admitting that it exists, it's reality. It doesn't stand alone. It's related to your physical well-being. And I think what the hardest part is not giving into it. There has to be a fire inside you. That pilot is lit, but how do you overcome it? I, I have a close friend who has not driven a car since COVID. We're not sure why. He's apprehensive about it. Driving a car is dangerous, but you got to get from A to B. But that's how the stress of COVID has manifested within him. And he's unsure how to really address it. But slowly but surely, he's starting to take small trips. And and we know that he will get back there. But I think it's important to recognize that we don't know how stress really manifests in anyone. It's different in you than it is in me. You may not want to run every morning. You know, someone might need to. I might not know how to box breathe, but know that I should. And, and I think everyone is different. So it really is, I think mental wellness is an individualized approach of how to get from A to B. And one thing that COVID has taught us is if you have to be isolated, you have to be strong enough to get yourself through it and rely on your network to stand with you, whether they're next to you or a Zoom call away. But it, it's really hard. It's, I mean, it's really hard, but it, it has to be individualized. And I think making those tools more available, more accessible to everyone in our community is, is the only way that we can get there. I agree 100%. It's interesting because I heard you say it, and I also heard Jackie say it as well, is that mental health wellness. It, it Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're mentally ill. Um, and even if you were mentally ill, you can recover from that, right? People do recover and, and there are avenues to, for that. But if you're struggling and you, in order to address the mental health wellness can change your whole life. If you don't address it, that's when you spiral usually out of control, right? So connecting with people and talking to other people and looking for different ways to be able to get yourself out of that and I always equate it to a basic analogy of being lost in the woods, right? And when we talk to a lot of people, and especially, you know, on the extreme side, a lot of people that we deal with, with mental health and, and substance abuse disorder on the streets, you know, and a lot of times one of the, the, the common themes we hear is that I got this, I'm taking care of it, I'm, I'm going to clean myself up. Well, you're lost in the woods. And if you got lost in the woods, you're probably not finding your way out. You need a guide, right? You need a guide to get you out of that woods. So the same thing with mental health wellness and, and you know, substance abuse disorder. If you're lost, then use a guide because there's people out here that will help you. And it will bring you through those woods, will bring you out, will get you healthy, right? And there's a lot of people out there. And professionals are really incredible. And just because you're struggling and you're not able to really find your way out of that struggle doesn't mean you're broken. You're not broken. It's just that you need help. And there's so much help out here to get you through that. What do you think, Tiffany? I agree with everyone because 
I used to be one of those people that were like, even though I'm feeling something, I try to keep it to myself, didn't try to find help. But now, like, say I'm coming into the club and I feel some type of way, I'll go talk to one of the staff members, for example, Chef Pam. So if I feel any way, I go talk to her immediately because I learned that I can't keep all my emotions bottled up inside of me because it's not good for you. So if you don't want to go seek professional help, you should at least have somebody that you trust enough to talk to about everything that's going on because it's better to let it out than to keep it in. Wow. You're incredible because I think I was 50 when I learned that lesson. (laughs) But, you know, it's definitely been the standard here with all the uh, club kids that I've been able to interact with. They're they're wise way beyond their years. You're right on point. I mean, it's amazing. But that's really something that, and you said it, the stigma of mental health, the stigma of using drugs. Uh, We need to get past that. We need to understand that it happens. And we need to be able to understand that coming forward, and, and that's a, a really, truly brave thing, to come forward and ask for help and, and to communicate with another person. And just sharing your stress can really change things. So let's, let's talk about a couple of little takeaways we may have from today. We'll start with Stephanie. What do you think, you know, when we're, we're looking at the pandemic, we're looking at, you know, resiliency, we're looking at operational stress, and there's a lot of things going on, and, and we're going back in, right? The variant is here. There's no doubt about it. We're back in the unknown again. I'm a social worker by training, and similar to what Jackie spoke to, the reopening plan. In social work, everything, there's a plan. It is being a strategist to help someone else. And I think it's important that if you're dealing with a mental wellness issue, if you're running a large business, if you're dealing with your family during a pandemic, you actually have to zoom out a bit and say, how are we going to get through this? And what are those tactics? And talk it through, communicate, support each other. And I think that that's what we're doing here at the club. I imagine that whether it's a teeny tiny mom and pop shop or a giant casino. You need a plan to get from A to B. You need to figure out what tools you need in your back pocket to get you there and to keep you above water. And we shouldn't all say that that's the A-type way of of being. It's how you survive. Um, You know, who can you lean on? Who can you talk to? What financial resources do you need to stay open? And remember what the end game is. Every, Every business has an organizational purpose. Certainly the clubs is serving our kids in Atlantic City, being that beacon of hope for our families and doing what we were put in this world to do, right? Serve our kids. And whether that's an organizational purpose for just our building or every other business in Atlantic City, that's the only way we're gonna get through this pandemic, but we can't do it alone. You need to have partners. You need to look at your community and stand arm in arm and get past it. And we will. We will. It's scary, it's frightening, but we have to remember how strong and healthy we are and push us forward. Thank you so much, thank you. Jackie, what do you think? What's your takeaway today? You know, I agree with what Stephanie just said. Focus on- She's a hard act to follow. I know, she really is. (laughs) Um, No, but focus on your purpose. And for us at the Tropicana, at Caesars Entertainment broadly, it's you know kind of similar. It starts and ends with service. So serving our team members, serving our guests, and serving our community. 
And as we think about some of the unknowns in front of us, I think if we keep those three stakeholders in mind, but just service being the overarching purpose, our guiding light, I should say, if we keep that in mind, I think we can navigate through these uncharted waters yet again. We did, a, in my mind, a great job last time. I'm really proud of the team and how resilient they were and how much they adapted their regular kind of work processes to include the health and safety protocols. They did a fantastic job before. I know that they'll rise to the occasion and they'll do it again. And at the same time, collectively think about and then as we're doing this, how can we serve the community? Because our team members are part of the community, right? They're from the community. And so ensuring that we as an organization are keeping both of those things top of mind, I think if we do that, we'll come out on the other side fine. I agree. Thank you so much. And, and Tiffany, what's your takeaway today about resiliency and, and wellness and, and what we can do to help not only ourselves, but maybe our family and our community? It is important to serve your community. Just make You just have to make sure that you're also making sure that you take care of yourself because it is very stressful trying to help the community. So make sure you always take that time to stop, maybe do the box breathing method. <laughs> Jackie's going to teach you. I know, Jackie, we might have to get you on the schedule for next week. Yeah. Oh, I know. I was like, or we should just like do it right now. Right, but. right. <laughs> and How will that sound on the podcast? <laughs> and just make sure you think about yourself also. So... Try and keep your mask up. I know that you can't really be forced to keep your mask on, but I feel like it should be a choice to keep your mask on. Make sure you keep yourself safe, family safe, everybody around you safe. And yeah. Self-care is so important. It's so important during these times. And, and it's the same thing you hear all the time when you're on a plane, right? Put your oxygen on first before you could try to help anyone else yeah. because then you can't help anyone else if you're not helping yourself and i think that's such an important thing very powerful tiffany and thank you so much and the one thing that i would leave us with and the takeaways also keep your eyes open during these times and what i mean by keeping your eyes open is sometimes we have so much stress in ourselves that we don't see other people that are suffering and sometimes we talk about connection and support sometimes these people don't have that and if you keep your eyes open you'll notice a lot of people out there that need that connection and that may just be an old friend giving them a call or a family member that's not you don't really speak to as much you know making sure that people are connected and if they have needs try to connect those people to those needs now again a lot of times we keep our eyes closed and we try not to see people because we don't have those answers right we have a fear in ourselves a lot of times that if someone does come to me with a problem I won't have the answer so I don't want to hear it but the truth of the matter is is that you don't have to be an expert um, you just have to be able to know what phone number to call. And you can always call Hope One, right, which is uh, 609-909-7200. Atlanta County Sheriff's Office, it's a program that I've developed, and it's intertwined with our Hope Exists podcast. And our people are experts at navigating the system. And regardless of what they may be, I mean, we do a lot of mental health and active addiction services, but it doesn't matter what that service was. They'll make sure that you're connected to the right group, no matter who you are or what you need. So let's keep our eyes open out there. Thank you, ladies, so much. I really enjoyed our time. I appreciate the uh, Boys and Girls Club of Atlantic City of sponsoring all this and our partner in our Hope Exists. It's really been a great journey so far. Great teen host, Tiffany, thank you again for being involved and in, in all your insight. You're bright beyond your years. I mean, it's amazing 
the emotional intelligence that you possess. And I don't have it now, and I'm about three times your age, so I'm working on it, though. And uh, thank you all. Thank you, William. Thank you, Jamie. And, and thank you, Dion. <laughs> I appreciate everyone. Thank you so much.